I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm? This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On the Para-X Radio Network. With my most excellent co-host, who chance to have in person in the studio, Mr. Jason Colwell. I wouldn't let me in my house. I know I have to think about it when you come by my house. A lot of the times I do. Uh, well, I'm grateful. So, what do we have coming up? What well, we all know what we have coming up in about two weeks. Crucible. Many of the people who have been on the show. Of course, including Jason Miller, Rufus Opus, who else? Lots of people. Lots of people. But if you want to get the discounts in the hotel rooms, you need to go to crucibleconvention.com right now, and it's all on the main page. You'll be able to find the links to hotel rooms, the exact date, which is in a couple weeks. And we're really ill-prepared tonight with the info, but that's okay. Go to crucibleconvention.com. It's, it's the 26th. And... Uh, Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole will be proud to be hosting the panel discussions about magicians at the Crucible, and both Jason and myself are teaching courses there. Uh, and there should be lively debates with different points of view. Of course, one uh, topic of panel discussion will be malficient magic, the art of cursing, hexing, and otherwise jinxing your enemies, which should be a fun talk. And when it is appropriate to do curse work and the arguments that we and second uh, panel discussion at Crucible will be on the daily work of what wizards do, taken uh, from inspiration from the Arcanorium.com, uh, Peter Carroll's University. We're going to talk about what you at, we actually do as wizards on a daily basis to overcome and will, as some people would call it. But not everyone has that conception either. So we're going to talk about our daily life as wizards in the world. It should be a fun, fun time. And I'll be there to push everyone's buttons. That's, great. Jason's great at that, in fact. Really great at that. Uh, with that, we have in February uh, convocations. We'll announce it more. We'll get more details when I actually know what I'm teaching and what Jason knows when, he, when he's teaching. Um, I want to thank um, Shelly from, of course, because we're caffeinated out. A little, not enough, I might add. I want to thank Shelly Klim, owner of Crystals, Candles, and Cauldrons out in Baltimore for donating some uh, goods for the 30-day challenge. Uh, we have many winners. There'll be a few more stores that we'll announce on there. We want to thank her. If you're out in Baltimore or anyone out there, look up Shelly Clem the, the, and the stores, uh, Crystals, Candles, and Cauldrons. And uh, want to thank her for her donation uh, to help us help people get into actually doing magic for 30 days to change their life. So thank you, Shelly. Thank you very much. Uh, and more stores are donating stuff as we speak. Uh, we're just working out the final details. 
so that when we have the raffle on November 10th for the people who've already there's already a lot of prizes. So we have a very special guest tonight. Oh yes, I am so fantastically happy for the guest that we have tonight. It's a we've had him on the show before, and before it was an extremely popular show, and I, I thought I was learned something great. And uh, today, stops on his latest books, and we drooled, and we were literally we were like, very excited. We're we're like yeah, this so, is what this is about. Without further ado, we present you. Nikolai Frisbold. Hello, Nikolai. How are you doing? Hey, greetings, people. How are you? We're Very doing. Good. We're doing great. Ah, uh, well, your last book, Obe, we were pretty impressed by. So, ah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we were, it really is. Uh, if you're into sorcery and kind of get hard magic, as it is the. Did you call it get hard magic? Yeah, that's a chaos term. Oh, okay. But it's a, quite a ride to read and uh, to get inspired by. So we want to thank you first for writing the book. And thank you second for coming on the show. Ah, thank you for inviting me. Really appreciate it. So there's a lot to talk about. This is probably, especially the Obey book, it's a topic that has not as well. And there's not... Unlike Voodoo, where there's many books on the subject, there isn't many books on Obey from Jamaica. Well, and, and it's Trinidad and other places. It's kind of one of those things that, uh, this is one of the first books to really go through and catalog some major rituals in Obey. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, really, what you find in uh, published literature is, uh, is commentaries about Obio. You. You don't really find uh, any book about uh, Obia. But yeah. now you do. Well, now there is one, yeah. I mean, what you say in the book is that they're like narratives from people who do Obey without of what Obey actually is or what it actually is. It's like stories about Obey. That, that was the crit it wasn't criticism, it was an assessment of the, the state before this book came out. No, but uh, this is true. Uh, we, we see in writings in music, uh, there are songs and poetry uh, writings about Obia, but Obia still remains a mystery. I still think that uh, even with this book that Obia remains a mystery, but at least uh, some more context around uh, the mystery is, uh, is provided, because uh, what you can find in uh, in the songs, the poetry, in the few writings is uh, is very vague uh, approximation of uh, uh, of this very kind of simple mystery, really, that is so profound in uh, in its uh, simplicity. And I think one of the things that we we have to start the conversation of is the, is the nature of hell because hell plays such a, a role in the book, and it's not at all the same context as what... It's not the Christian context. It's certainly not the Christian context of, of hell. Ah, of hell. Uh, could you repeat our... We have... You didn't transition a bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we should start to talk about the context of... of hell in Obi, because it, 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 it's clear from our reading, when we're reading it, it, it means something different uh, than what people think. So what does, what does hell and Papa Bones, uh, how does this relate to Obi, uh, ah. and what is that concept, and from your point of view, how it's maybe different than what people think? Ah, I get, I get. Uh, I do believe that uh, the Obia men and the uh, Mialists uh, in uh, in the Caribbean, they they were intrigued by the the kind of French uh, inheritance, uh, the Greek myths, and so on. But the idea of hell is actually kind of similar to the Greek hell. I believe this is why uh, this uh, French influence uh, became so so powerful because. Hell is a place 
of uh, nocturnal obscurity or darkness or power or, of all this. That's all the men uh, recognized as this is the woods. It's the forest of mystery. This is a kind of hell because in their perception, hell is a place of possibility. So, the woods with all their herbs and arbors, trees, all this, these are things we can work. So, I believe it's about uh, the perception, the approach to this kind of nocturnal field of spirits, space of the dead, space of the woods, that entering into this uh, fabric of, of obia at some, uh, some, some point. As a, as a language, much more than a reality. And this becomes much more an issue of hell being the spirit world at large to a place of torment like the Christians would perceive it. No, it's, uh, I think uh, <clears throat> the layer of hell that they uh, uh, focused on was not uh, the hell that punishes. It is the hell of souls. Because with Obia, we have uh, the importance of uh, the souls that are burning in purgatory, the anima solas, that are considered as a legion of spirits. So we can question if hell into the depth of the Christian perception is, uh, is really compatible in this way, because we are speaking about purgatory. We are speaking about souls that are in between worlds, like our world and uh, the other world, that serves as mediators between. And it's very interesting because there's this central figure in the Obi book of Papa Bones. So maybe you could describe him as well because he seems to play the biggest role in many of the rituals that you wrote down. Ah, uh, yeah. Papa Bones is uh, it's a very intriguing figure because uh, you actually don't work directly with him. You always work with him uh, through this intercessor, the Anima Solos, the spirits of the purgatory. Uh, so, there need to be a kind of fire present to converse with uh, Papa Bones. And uh, Papa Bones, we, we have seen him uh, in many geeses uh, throughout the world, at least in an approximation, as the Mahakala, as some skeleton lord, as whatever that reminds us about our mortality. Uh, I also think it's interesting I didn't wrote about in the book that the anima solas are legions, but these anima solas are connected to joints and bones on the body of Papa Bones. Meaning, here we even see a kind of remnant of uh, the Gede cult in uh, voodoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where each bone, each joint, has a specific intelligence. And all these specific uh, joints and bones have a fiery intercessor that we can communicate with through plants that are red, meaning holding fire, through minerals that are red, meaning holding fire, or something that contains heat, something that contains the sun, or something that contains Venus. And this is the complex of these anima souls, these burning souls in hell. It's a very interesting point that, that, that there was a lot of similarities when we are looking at this to, to the Gede cult, as you mentioned, and, and working with the Gede, a little fire thing. It's, it's a different method of working with them. Um, but there were also demonic aspects thrown. Hey, could, uh, could you repeat that? Uh, there, are, 
there were also demonic aspects thrown in some of the workings. In the Obey book? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you could speak about that because some of the, some of the Obey books does look like traditional Western uh, demon work, although I, I suspect that the Obi man maybe is, would think about it differently. Ah, okay. The, you, you speak about uh, the Kabbalistic banquets. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, the, the perception is that uh, the spirits of Goetia, the spirits of, uh, the spirits of all these famous grimoires are spirits of, uh, of Earth. These are really fallen angels. In one way or the other. So we can work with them because why would they fall if they didn't care about what we are doing? Meaning, the perception from uh, uh, the side of an man is these are spirits that have taken an interest in our life. They feel some kind of resonance with who we are and who they are. So we find here our kind of spiritual symphony in this uh, magical field of uh, possibility where we can use these spirits. But the Obiaman will always see these spirits of Goetia as spirits manifesting in nature. These are basically Spirits that, are, spirits that are coming um, through, the, through the forest to our world. And in saying this, I mean that uh, the forest do symbolizes our ancestry, it symbolizes our world, it symbolizes many things. So perceiving that the spirits of bad repute or ill repute is coming through this forest, of symbols, or meaning, or death, or mystery, means that you have here spirits that we can uh, interact with, commune with, understand with, and accomplish things with. So, so they are not really perceived as demons in this kind of Christian sense of spirits of uh, Malefica. Uh, my impression from uh, the teachings I received is that these spirits are really perceiving their, uh, or retaining their kind of planetary dignity, even if it's not spoken. They are conceived of as friends, allies, spirits of some kind of resonance, not as something hostile. Well, that's very nice. Now, now I'm curious. <clears throat> we know that yeah, you're very well, well, <laughs> well we, we know that you're very well flavors of magic. Tell Pardon? us about your introduction. You're very well practiced in several styles of magic, and tell us about your introduction to Obi. Well, I uh, <laughs> I actually wrote about my introduction to Obi in the book. Uh, it was a kind of surreal affair because I met a man from Trinidad in Norway. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, uh, oh, wow. And uh, the circumstances around meeting was, uh, was really supernatural. It was a week of weirdness in, uh, in all senses. So when I met this, uh, this man, uh, this Obia man from uh, Trinidad in Norway, I stayed with him for a week. I was uh, isolated with him in his uh, apartment that was actually in a rundown factory at the time in Oslo, <laughs> Norway. So my introduction to Obia was happening in a non-forest ambient, but still, the city became a forest. Do you understand what I'm uh, speaking about? Yes, how, yes. How his ability of introducing a wildlife, a forest, 
of sense of mystery into concrete and glass? Well, it, uh, it really astonished me. It still stands like uh, a kind of uh, pole in, uh, in my magical path, this experience. How can you turn a city into a jungle? But this is actually what happened during that week. Oh, wow. So, you may mention in the book that he tried to scare you out of pursuing it. Oh, he was scary. But, but he actually tried to get you not to become initiated. Pardon? He actually tried to convince you not to become initiated. Oh, yeah. He wanted me to, to take on some uh, more soft organizations into the... Uh, into the Baptist Church, the spiritual Baptist Church, whatever. Not uh, to give me obia. But uh, as it happened, as I don't remember, one day in his uh, apartment, apparently uh, I got possessed by the spirit of uh, Papa Bones. And he understood that, okay, well, let's do it here, in this most improper of, of uh, all urban uh, constructs to give obia because he was really concerned about uh, how, ca how can they give a power of the forest in a city and he did nice. so you had gotten initiated with this this is an awesome story right and it, it turns out that you keep mentioning in the book, too, that many aspects of Obi have to do with applying a force, even or methods are different. It's about applying a certain force. Maybe you could talk about that. Uh, could you repeat? You, you caught a bit here. Yeah, sorry about that. Skype's a little angry today. Uh, but. In multiple times in the book, you mentioned that Obi, um, that the, one of the core certain force of Obi to different symbols and different things in a pragmatic way. And maybe you could talk about that force of Obi itself. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, this is the whole uh, center of the cult. The obia or the obia or the uh, obia, uh, it is a power that you receive. It is planted inside you. It's something that grows inside you like a fetus. And I believe this is why uh, obia is so mysterious for people because you can't say it's a system. It is not like this. It's not like that. It is all about this power that is given to you, that grows within you. And you actually notice the growth, the fire, the sprackles, the everything, until it reaches a maturity. And when this obia reaches a maturity, you reach an understanding. You enter into a state where you are able to communicate with uh, energies, with plants, with spirits, with whatever. And it is actually some uh, two years after my initiation that I realized that, yes, it is possible to receive obia, the power in a city. Because this power grows wherever. It adapts to whatever. It is your power as a sorcerer that is planted inside you that grows in conformity with the environment that you are living in. So, so obia makes you more agile, more clear, more aware of where you are and how you can use your environment to your advantage. So it really is about surroundings and being aware of the energy that is within nature and that man-made constructs are also a part of nature. Yeah, I, in, 
in its uh, ultimate consequence, it is about this. But I think it's very important to be mindful that Obia is a cult that is very much related to, to the woods. So in, in this kind of African conception of what is the woods, what is the trees, what is the plants, they are our ancestors. It's kind of, these were the first one on earth. And I found it kind of intriguing that receiving Obia in the city, I managed to connect with nature. I doubted at the time if this was possible. Even my initiator doubted if this was possible. But it did happen. And this, of course, opened for uh, a greater sensibility and a sense of the field of obvious working that is really about energies, how to understand them, how to work them, and how to make alliances with these kind of uh, energies, no matter if they are in the city, the woods, wherever, because we have this thing of origin, the wood, or ancestry, but where are we living now? What is useful for us? What do we need? So it, it does appear to me that uh, the space of Obia do relate to us in the ambient we are. So it doesn't matter if you live in the woods, in the mountains, in the ocean, in the cities, whatever. You can still use this power. It's about an agility, about how you move in the world. Very, very cool. Now, we talked a little bit about uh, the legion, the legions and, uh, and purgatory, papa, papa bones, and we should also talk about the shamanic side of Obi many times in the book, and maybe we, we could talk about how that relates to a certain form of sh shamanism as well. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, Obi is uh, very much uh, shamanism in uh, the sense that uh, we are speaking about uh, trance states, about going to the other side, about spirit travel in general, because it is crucial for the Obia man, if he lives in the city, if he lives in the countryside, whatever, that he finds his sacred spot in nature. He needs to find his tree. And this idea of finding your tree, well, we find this in many shamanic uh, contexts and cultures and practices everywhere. Uh, so, your obia is always related to certain plants and trees, always. It is like you get initiated, then you have tutors out there in the woods. You will always find trees, plants, flowers, whatever, that teach you further on how to deal with your specific obia. Because each Obia man is unique. He has certain powers, specific powers. So one Obia man can be good in trapping spirits. Another one be good in conversing with the dead. Another good with this thing or that thing. The skills are separate all the time. Uh, but you always use your tree as an alley. So you can mediate through your tree and your plants that you're making pacts with, that are yours. You will find further connections. And I, I believe this is very shamanic, that you, you begin with your axis, 
you find your animal, you find your vegetation, you find your landscape, you find your plants, you find your everything. So the Obia man need to find his spiritual landscape, and from this he knows who he is and what he's capable of doing. So, and oh, go ahead. Similar to shamans. <laughs> Well, let's, let's talk about the practice of trapping spirits and why one would do that in the first place. Ah, trapping spirits? Uh, yes. Well, quite simply. Uh, we do have a space around that, uh, in our perception, is hostile to our environment. So we can trap them and educate them or we have spirits that have uh, a power that they don't know the, the use for their own power. So we can trap them and enter into a pact with them. This uh, whole thing with the spirit trapping uh, serves basically uh, uh, to ways of dealing with spirits, namely to isolate what can harm you and educate what can benefit you. So it's both education and getting them to work with you as well as removing hostile influences. Yes, you can do this as well. I remember reading in the book there's a technique for nailing spirits to trees. Yes. Would you, would you care to talk more about nailing spirits to trees? Is it something you've ever Okay, when, when we are nailing spirits to the trees, uh, we are doing this uh, for two reasons. Either we want the spirit to get, uh, get away from the, the place, or we want to secure them to the place. Meaning, uh, so if a spirit enters and is hostile, let's explore. Let's see what this is about. Maybe this uh, spirit is in uh, search of something that can root it. Nailing the spirit to a tree can help the spirit to root. But, you can also use your trees that you have packed with to make the spirit to go away if it turns out to be a hostile influence. Okay. So do you have any stories about this interaction that you've experienced? Pardon? This interaction with the spirit world. Oh, um... On a, on a personal level, um, I have to admit that uh, I do uh, enjoy catching uh, spirits that are hostile and uh, keep them uh, isolated for further use or release them in, uh, to the proper places. No, it is really about a very delicate uh, mechanism uh, now, as you ask. I never really thought about <laughs> why I'm doing what I'm doing when I'm doing. Uh, but you, you use your kind of abilities of uh, mediating with uh, the spirits from where they are and the effects they have. And some spirits, you do want to isolate and build a relationship with others you don't want around. Because, basically, I think that spirits is like the, the world in general. Some people you want around, some people you don't want around. And I frankly treat spirits the same way. If I notice a kind of affinity with a spirit, I see what is this? Where can we go? What do you want? What I want? It is all the time a mediating thing that goes towards a pact 
but there is also dross. Spirits that is really not, uh, not good for harvesting or for working with or for whatever. I think uh, this is an important thing for the OBMM that you have the skills and perception necessary to, to know what, what kind of spirits should you work with. What is your aim? What is your goal? What do you want? What does spirit want? And the desires of the spirits, is it compatible with your source? Is the desires of the spirit, is it good for your land? There are many concerns all the time. So uh, that's a very, very uh, kind of important point. You're, you're, it's not, you're, you're not just trapping the spirits, you're actually looking at is this going to hurt your family? Is this going to hurt your life? Can you even work with it given your personality? Uh, all those are extremely important points about which spirits. I'm sorry, what was that? Of course, of course. It's yeah, a, yeah. The, the spirit trapping is not about uh, catching spirits and throwing them away. It is really about isolating. and. Uh, uh, making a conversation to see what you're dealing with here. Because certainly, like in uh, the Caribbean and uh, so on, you, you have a space of nature. So most of these spirits do have a energy, uh, a vibe that uh, can be good or hostile for whatever you want to do or, or not. Right. So, uh, this is one part of this kind of spirit catching, and I'm seeing that back in Oslo, spirit catching was more problematic because you, you have a greater amount of uh, hostile spirits in a city. So you, you want to isolate more than you want to invite spirits as if you're living in the countryside. Because here in the countryside, uh, it is far more easy to. So you you are catching a spirit. You, you communicate with the spirit. You 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 try to understand. You you get this dialogue, and you also understand its properties, its use, its field of activity, all these kind of things. So it is much more easy to work with it in its proper places. I find the urban spirits to be more, uh, more difficult in many senses because they do take up a lot of the vibrations uh, of uh, modern urban civilization and can be a bit, uh, should you say, polluted, confused. Do you find that the when you do work with the urban spirits that sometimes it's worthwhile to educate them and try to get them on your side? Oh, it really depends on I'm I'm really living in very favorable conditions. Uh, I live in a nature reservoir, so nature around me is untouched. I have access to very pure spirits nowadays. So, every spirit that I meet, every spirit that I catch, they do have a use. It is always about me to understand who this spirit is. So, I have to confess that uh, for me, uh, for the last 10 years, uh, spirits of the woods that I met, they, they do turn out to be friends and allies. And not prisoners. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, friends and respected colleagues and exactly it's about this but but I think this is about my choice of life as well because okay I chose to live in the woods in the jungle I, I literally live in the jungle I live between two nature reservoirs it's untouched woods everywhere it's waterfalls it's everything and it's forbidden 
cut the wood seal. So, of course, you have access to very nice, pure, wanting spirits. So, on my behalf, as an Obia man, I, I have to say I, I'm in a very good position with dealing with, uh, with spirits. But I have also experienced that it can be complicated. One of the other aspects in the book uh, that makes a kind of appearance that I was personally interested in was the rituals that involve uh, Anansi, or Ananse, uh, which, which is this a, a spider spirit. Yes. Maybe we could talk about Anansi and the rituals that you catalog to uh, work with her, and why you would. No, and Anansi is the part to work with because uh, Anansi is the is the face of God on Earth. So this idea of uh, the spider web being the the mask of God falling upon the Earth. And we can walk this web, we can work with the knots on this web. Uh, as you see, Obia is very methodical and uh, connected to these kind of joints and bones. So the spider web and the bones of the body, the joints of the body, they are basically very much the same thing. It is just that when the spider comes down and she leaves the web, because the presence of God is of course a female, is a spider. What is the earthen product of this? It is over bones. It's over joints. It's over muscles. So, if you work with the energy of the spider, you you will understand a lot of the uh, the cosmic uh, halo, the the roof of uh, the more physical earthen working that we are doing with Obio. Because the spider is God's presence on earth. And the spider is a she that makes her house, her tunnels, her webs, her links, her joints, her everything, all across the earth. It's almost like the spider represents a network of spider agents from God encapsulating the earth everywhere. And uh, this is an important mystery for the Obia man to penetrate. One of the God's agents. Um, so the Obi man would, would treat the physical incarnations of spiders as, as, as holy themselves too. So, in your experience with um, with this, what are some additional insights that you personally got as you worked through the uh, the mystery? I, you mean the the mystery of the woods as related to Obia? Yeah, and, and the spider mystery, the, the female. Ah, with the spiders. Uh, well, on a personal level, I have to say that, yes, I do have a great fascination for spiders. I do have a great respect for spiders. And I do... I'm not afraid of spiders anymore, really. There really was, but I'm really not afraid. But I think my perception about how the spiders make tunnels, the nets, the messy nets, and all these acts of, uh, of the spider, and from this uh, kind of uh, Akan uh, mythology in Africa that was transposed on Obia of uh, Anansi, being the manifestation of God, I just end up being uh, placed in a 
situation where I, I marvel with the mysteries. Because if this is God's manifestation, it is truly a mystery, truly an enigma. And I say that I can connect with certain spiders for my ends. I don't kill spiders, but I can interact with them. I do believe that uh, spiders do connect with Obia Man in a kind of uncanny way because they do speak about uh, certain uh, cosmic. Uh, mysteries that you can use for your very, very earthen and mundane ends by a kind of what should I say? It's, it's almost like as a bow, so beloved, you know, the hermetic uh, axiom, you know, from Kim Andres, that's there is a realization that comes from observing these creatures that gives to you the impression of something higher and something lower at the same time because the spider connects these dots. Was that very enigmatic? <laughs> no, I myself have a particular love of spiders, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. And have an uncanny ability to have spiders come out and walk right around. Significant oh. <laughs> other, a great deal. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, but basically it uh, it is it is like this. The importance of the spider is about the importance of uh, the face of God spreading on earth in the woods in the houses, everywhere, in the form of the, the, the spider. So if we lift it from this kind of more uh, very small but still big vision of the spider, uh, the obvious man see the spider as uh, the all-seeing eye of God, really. That's why you find the spider everywhere. It is a symbol and a sign that God sees everything. One of the uh, the most, I think, profound statements that you make in the book is that Obeya is about functional concords with the spirits that live in the matrix of creation. And maybe you know, since we have about 10 minutes left or so, you could talk about that. Because I thought that was probably one of the most important things near the end of the book that you mentioned. Yeah, and of course your comment uh, just uh, slided out uh, in the, the communication it cut it. Okay. Can you repeat, please? Of course, of course, because, you know, Skype is uh, how it is. It, it was a comment that you make towards the end of the book where you say obey is about your ability to make true and functional concords with the spirits that live in the matrix of creation. Yes. The last 10 minutes, because that seemed to be one of the most important phrases and statements in the book that we could elaborate on that. Uh, yes, uh, because really, uh, I have seen over the years that people have try to make systems and religions and structures from Obia. It is not a system. It is not a good structure. It is not a something you can say. It is this. It is that. But what we can say is Obia is about the Obia. Meaning, you have to receive the Obia to manage to cultivate the obia. So, the obia, to possess this kind of uh, magical seed that is growing within you from your organization, it does 
provoke a very different perception upon the world. I think that ideal, although be a man, is that he do perceive the world as mystery constantly. Because if he perceive the world as mystery at all times, we don't see threats, we don't see enemies, we don't see friends, we don't see this. We see the bigger landscape. We see this spider web that is God's manifestation on earth. The Obia man is the one that is able to see this without much judgment. So, when you see a power, you're able to interact with it. Why can you interact with it? Because you possess a certain obia that makes you able to see what this power is. And by seeing, you're also able to work with it. Meaning, the obia man is, at the end of the day, a person that is interested in making pacts and understanding nature. And from my experience, nature is not only about the woods, it is also about civilization, it's about the cities. So the obia man is someone that is able to measure his environment and the spirits in his environment, because there is spirits in all environments, and see how they can be used, what is not useful, and make a discernment, a measure between all of this. And I think this, this power of discernment is caused by the obia. This ability of seeing the spirit, understanding the spirit, seeing the spirit, is obia. Do we find the obia in other cultures? Do we find it in voodoo? Do we find it in uh, other cult practices? Sure we do. But in obia proper, this is the focus. And I think this is very unique with obia. That it is one power given for you to see. And by seeing, you understand, and by understanding, you're able to use. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a religion of discovery and, and more <laughs> aware. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I think everything starts about this. You know, it's it's kind of if it's to walk in the woods, to walk in the city, to make vacation, whatever. Let's always take a step back and see. What is this? What is this landscape? Obia is really about not judging, but understanding. What is this power? What is that power? What is the relationships here? And of course, since it has sorcerer's path, how can I take advantage of what I see and what I understand and these connections that I see these powers are making? Very, very cool. Now, we got about or so left in the show. And um, do you have any events coming up? Any speaking tours for the new book or other events that you're going to? Oh, no. I don't have any events markets. My, uh, my event this year was uh, with you guys. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's- no, it's it's really it's, uh, no. I I really live a very recluse life here in the in the woods. So it's uh, it's a rare appearance. But uh, you you guys are really great to speak with. So uh, thank you for your invitation, and it's really a pleasure to to speak with you. I have to be. I, uh, I don't love all the compliments, but this book I'm actually going to go out and buy the physical book. Uh, because there's a lot of things that answered a lot of questions that I personally had for a little bit of time. It was very, very, very inspiring. Book. So this one, even though I got it, the PDF, I mean, to everyone listening, I'm going to go out and buy the actual book. Plus that, 
the artist, <laughs> the, the artist Kyle uh, fight is one of my friends too. So the book looks beautiful as well as I'm going to get the physical book to put it on my pretty extensive library because I want to actually sit in depth. Ah, thank you very much. <laughs> no, that is that is a real compliment. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, you, you graced us with the book, but I'm going to actually go out and buy it so I have a physical copy because I don't like spending a lot of time with uh, electronic books. If I'm going to really dive into it, I want to physically have the book. It's, I'm sure people no. understand that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you probably know what I'm saying. Yeah, so. Of course, of course. I I do stock up on uh, electronic books more than uh, paper books myself. Yeah, so I do understand. It's it's just true for that much. Huh? <laughs> exactly. So we got about a, a couple minutes left too, and because uh, you sent us the second book that you wanted us to mention, and maybe we could talk a little bit just in the last few minutes about that too, which was the serpent. The Serpent Songs uh, compilation, oh, yes. and, and you had specifically wrote in a book about Furnace, and uh, not a book, an article in it, and you were the editor for this whole project. So maybe you could talk about the Serpent Songs as well, so uh, people can, if they're interested, know about that as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think Serpent Songs is, uh, is really an important uh, book. Uh, because it it gives uh, a multitude of voices for what we know as traditional witchcraft, and from my impression, uh, traditional witchcraft is is not really uh, very well understood because people don't really understand witchcraft. They don't really understand tradition. So here you have a. Uh, anthology of several voices that speaks about what is witchcraft in a traditional sense. And with this, I mean, of course, witchcraft do have a lot of uh, associations with uh, fertility, but of the land. Uh, my point has always been that witchcraft is a peasant craft. It is what farmers do because we want the earth to grow, to be fertile. And what do we have here in the earth and what we want it to be fertile? We have the woods. So I see a similarity between what I speak about in Nobia, about connecting with the, the spirits of the woods, about the stars that fall in the tops of the trees that we are speaking with, and witchcraft. Because witchcraft is, is really also about having this connection with nature. It is not only about a horned uh, wood lord in the forest and uh, the marvels of the moon. It is so much more. So I do hope that people will uh, take a good look at the Serpent Songs as well, because for me, uh, this was a work of uh, heart, blood, labor, uh, to to get manifest, I think it's an important uh, publication because it really speaks about what is the craft of the witch, and it also speaks about what is the art of the sorcerer in all of this. Hence, it is a bridge towards Obia. That is a book about sorcery. Well, very very cool. I'd uh, having read parts of that. It's very good, and um, I, I would tell everyone, get that as well. So for, for this week, you buy two <laughs> books, right? Buy Obey, and then buy this book. And there's buy no discount. Book. Just pay full price, give them as money. Yeah, that's right. money, so. <laughs> um, Thank you very much. I'm really appreciating your support, uh, guys. Really. So we want to thank you for coming on the air, and uh, we will take the music out now. Okay, thank you for inviting me. Have a good evening. Okay?